Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching and listening from. If this is your first time joining us, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm New. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. We've come to the end of our teaching series. It's called The Book of Prayers. So right now, we're hitting the home stretch of our 21 days of prayer right here at Radiant Church. We're asking you to pray for a word, man. Pray for God's guidance for you and your family, your church community. Uh, if you're local, I hope you've taken advantage of the prayer guides we have available for you. These guides are going to help you uh, with different ways to pray, not just during the 21 days of prayer season, but really beyond that. They're available in our foyer. If you're not local, if you're watching or listening right now and you would like one of those, you can download them from our website directly. In fact, it's available along with the message notes if you're watching uh, straight from RadiantChurchSC.com. All right. So our theme verse throughout this series comes from the book of Ephesians. And Paul says this to the Ephesian Christians. Uh, chapter 6, verse number 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in all your prayers for believers everywhere. What a, what a great, great message that is. Stay persistent in our prayers. But it can be tough to do that, right? I mean, at least for some of us. For some of you guys, prayer comes easy, almost naturally, but for others, it's really tough. And maybe you aren't sure how to pray, or you're not sure where to start. And, and that's why we've taken a different kind of approach to teaching on prayer. We started a couple weeks back with what we call the Book of Moses, and we, we took a look at the pattern of the tabernacle and how each stop served as a spiritual reminder as you approached God. So we wrote down how you can approach God in prayer. It's the only, well, it's not the only way to approach God, okay, but it's certainly a specific pattern that you can emulate in your prayer life. And then we looked at, at an obscure guy uh, that folks don't know a whole lot about named Jabez, who uttered a simplistic prayer in second Chronicles the next week. So week one was all about how to approach God in prayer. But this teaching in week two, it focused on what you can pray for. And that brings us to where we are here today in this final week. And it all stems from this question that I have heard asked numerous times over the years as a pastor. Why should God answer my prayers? Why should God answer your prayers? Now, some folks might say, well, he should answer my prayers because my heart's right. You know, he should do it because I've said this prayer, you know, the right way and I've done the right kind of stuff and, you know, that, that kind of thing. And what we so often do is we base our, our answer to this question, why, why should God answer my prayers, on us. And it's as if, like, we have this belief that we can determine how and when and even if God will answer our prayers. But God isn't basing his answers to your prayers on you. He's basing them on his name and his honor. And that's one of the reasons we have the third commandment. The third commandment, in case you're not familiar, it says you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God, Exodus 27. 
uh, we think this commandment is all about swearing, right? <laughs> right? But that's a very narrow kind of point of view. It's really pointing to not understanding the power behind God's name, not, not revering God, and instead assigning your standards to Him. That's why Jesus starts His model prayer like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. What's he doing here? He's recognizing the authority of God. You know, like when mom calls the kids to dinner or to do something, most of the kids, they tend to take their time, right? Like they might delay or drag it out, that kind of thing. But when dad does it, what, what happens most of the time? The kids stop what they're doing and they move. Why? Because the truth is, most kids have a healthy, respectable fear of their fathers and they recognize his authority in a different way than they recognize mom's authority. And, and we should have this kind of fear of God, right? Like a reverent fear of God, a healthy, respectable fear of the Lord and his name. And we touched on you know, the names of God a little bit already, right? Back in week number one. And we're going to go a little bit deeper in that here this week. Uh, in fact, I'm going to take you to the one passage in scripture where we see eight different names for God at work and they're on full display. And it's found in a, a well-known passage uh, called Psalm 23. Check it out. Psalm 23, verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have all that I need. He lets me re rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor my, uh, me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows of blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I'm calling this prayer, this last prayer right here, the prayer of the sheep because we, we need to be reminded just who it is we're praying to and who God really is. I said a minute ago that there's eight different names for God that you see at work in this passage, right? So we're going to start with verse number one and we see the Lord is my shepherd, right? God is your shepherd. God is your shepherd. The Hebrew word for this is Jehovah Ra'ah, which means God is my shepherd. And so every single person got to tell you, like you need a pastor, a shepherd in your life. And, and I would say this, you should also be part of a community of other people too. Every pastor, by the way, needs the same. Like I have men in my life for my pastors who mentor me and shepherd me. I have a community of people I belong to filled with other pastors and ministers. That's the assemblies of God. Like everyone needs both pastors and community in their lives, right? So what's the main job of, of a shepherd, of a pastor? Well, it's to lead and feed the sheep. And, and, and the sheep don't lead the pastor, okay? The pastor leads the sheep, and he, he leads them sometimes in the directions they don't want to go in because he knows this is what's best for the flock. How many times has God taken you down a path that you didn't just want to go down? And it was a path you fought him on, you went kicking and screaming, only to learn later that he was right. See, God was, was leading you where you needed to go, even if you didn't want to go with him in the very first place, right? And so whether it's God or your pastor or a mentor, when someone leads you, it's not always popular. It doesn't always feel good, but we all need to be led by somebody who's our shepherd. And the ultimate shepherd, by the way, it's God. Now, shepherds also feed their sheep. And they don't hand feed them, okay? They show them where to graze. Sheep, this is really important, feed themselves, all right? 
But if left to their own discretion, they would eat every bit of grass and vegetation in a pasture where, where nothing would be left. So what does a shepherd do? He, he leads his sheep to one pasture for summer, one for spring, one for winter. You kind of get the idea, right? And each pasture is full of different vegetation the sheep need. That, that's one of the reasons why at Radiant Church we don't preach only topical messages or only expository, which is verse-by-verse verse messages. We were in Romans for 10 weeks, and we needed to go verse-by-verse verse for that study, but now we're in a break, and we'll come back to it later after the holidays, okay? We're, we're, we're going to get different types of teachings right now on topics that our souls need here, too. And so God's going to do the same thing in, in your life. You'll have seasons of victory where everything goes your way. You have seasons where you're successful in all that you do. Then you have those where you have to rely very heavily on God. Why? Because God's leading you to a different experience to build in you uh, the kind of person He's designed you to be. And so none of this, by the way, matters if the sheep don't trust <laughs> the shepherd, right? See, God isn't a shepherd or the shepherd. He's your shepherd. He's your Savior. He desires personal relationship with you. That's why Christ can say this in John 10, John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd. And look at this. I know my own sheep and they know me. You know, when shepherds are moving their sheep, sometimes they would run into other flocks, especially if it was time to bring the sheep to, to, to market, you know? So how could you make sure you didn't lose any sheep with so many other flocks mingling in with each other? Well, each shepherd had a unique call for their sheep. Their sheep knew their, their shepherd's voice. They knew the shepherd's call. So when the shepherd called to his sheep, they would move to him. Others would stay put because they didn't recognize that shepherd's voice. Man, that's relationship. God is your shepherd. He desires deep relationship with you. He desires for you to hear his voice. Okay, so let's move on. God's your shepherd, but he's also your provider. He's your provider. Now, David, who wrote the psalm, says this, I have all that I need, right? Here's the name of God that we, we first touched on a couple weeks back. Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. The tendency we have is to be our own provider, but, but we can't fall into that trap, okay? Don't put your trust in wealth. Trust in the one who owns it all and richly provides for you. Can I tell you that you won't have money when you trust in wealth and riches? Instead, your money is going to actually have you. Did you know that statistically speaking, the people who possess the most wealth are actually among the least generous? And one of the main reasons why is they want to be financially secure. And I'll be honest with you, like every person has a, has a different idea of what financial security is. And the truth is, if that's what you're chasing, can I tell you, you will never achieve it. It's a fantasy. You say, nah, pastor, it's not. I, I know my benchmark here I'm trying to hit. But let me just ask you this. How much is too much? Like, how much is enough? How much money would you have to make to feel secure everything you can think of? Because in my experience, when you hit, you know, goals, right, you create new goals because the goals you just met, they're not enough. Like, you always want more. You constantly are in the need and want more. So it's actually those who are among the least wealthy, middle and lower classes, who are the most generous. Now, why is that? Because when you don't have life-changing money, you realize money cannot be your only hope. You realize you have to live your life for more than just finances. Paul writes this in Philippians 4.19. This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs for His glorious riches, which have 
have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God can meet all of your needs. He owns everything. He's Lord of all. Trust in Him. He's your provider, but He's also your peace. He's your peace. He, uh, he said He lets me rest, right, in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. So the Hebrew name for God here is Jehovah Shalom. God is my peace. God doesn't have peace for you. God is peace. That's part of his nature. Remember from week one, we taught how Shalom is the divinely intended state of being. So in other words, everything is as God intended it. It's a peace which is all-encompassing. So perhaps you're under a great amount of stress today. Usually it's you know, work-related, finance-related, or it's, it's relational with some person, right? Most of the time, our stress doesn't even come from somebody else. It comes from us because we put it on ourselves. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4.6 says this, Better one handful with tranquility peace, right? Then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Some of you are, are grabbing two handfuls of life, right? And it's just absolutely killing you. So the Bible says you should do less and you'll have peace. Now, I know that's not our cultural message today, because right? our culture says, hey, if you have one thing, it's good. And two, it's even better. It's just not necessarily true in Scripture. And, and the Bible kind of back, just backs it up. Some of you need to do less so you can have more peace in your life. And so Jesus put himself, puts it like this in John 14. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So to really know God, to have relationship with the Lord, is to know real peace. And so some of you need that reminder today, right? That God is your peace. Stop looking everywhere for it. It's right here in front of you, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. God is your peace. But He's also your healer. He's your healer. He renews my strength, verse number three says. The name for God there, Jehovah Rapha. God is my healer. To renew something, to heal something, is to restore it to its original design, right? Its origin. And only God can restore you back to your original purpose and design. Like your marriage was good, now it's gotten off track. Well, only God can bring it back to where it once was. God wants to bring everything the enemy has stolen from you back to its original purpose. We used to sing this song in the 90s when I was a kid growing up. I went to the enemy's camp, right? And I took back what he stole from me. Some of you are super excited. Like, I haven't heard that song in forever. <laughs> yeah, right? It was a song focused on God's restoration, how God can heal you and set you back, right? And get you back straight. God can heal your body physically. That gets a lot of attention. But he can also heal your mind, your heart, your soul. God can touch you mentally and emotionally. He can put the pieces of a shattered heart back together again. God can and he deeply will desire to heal you wherever it's needed here today. So we're coming out of a season of, of, of prayer here right now. But we're going to be entering into another season of groups. And can I just tell you that locally next week we're going to have our groups fair and ice cream social right after service. And you're going you're to have the chance to sign up for groups and meet group leaders and connect with other people. And, and groups are so much more than opportunities to just grow deeper roots. They're great connection points. Relationships can form, ministry can happen, and the people of God can be used by God to bring healing to those who need it. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25 says this, He, this is Jesus, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so we can be dead 
uh, to sin and live for, for, for what is right. By his wounds you're healed. Once you were like sheep, you wandered away, but now you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. David says here, he guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. This is the rest of verse 3. You know who God is? He's your healer, yeah, but he's also your righteousness. Righteousness. The Hebrew word for this is Jehovah Sekednu. God is our righteousness. Not a common name, right? Sekednu, but it means God is stiff or straight. That's righteousness, right? Like when you're righteous, you're living for the Lord. You're walking the straight path of God. It's impossible to live a perfect life. Like we're going to screw up. We're going to sin. But when we do, God's there. His righteousness is present. He covers all of our wrongs, all of our sins, past, present, and future, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So if you live your life God's way, the right way, your life will be so much better. I can't promise you you're going to be successful at everything or you're going to catch all the breaks. It's actually, I can promise you the opposite. Like life will get pretty difficult because of what the enemy is going to throw your way. But ultimately, it's, it's better because like you know that God's got you. He's forgiven you. He's saved you. He's got your back. First Peter describes it like this uh, in our relationship with God. 1 Peter 1.14, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Don't go back to your sinful nature, right? You didn't know any better then. Now he's speaking of your life before Christ. But, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So be holy in everything you do because God is holy. It's, it's not something we can accomplish on our own, but with God's help, we can live the life he's called us to live. We don't have to live in fear of sin and the punishment it brings because once we've placed our faith in Christ, we are recognized as righteous by God. Three more, okay? Here's the next one. You're my constant companion. God is your constant companion. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. What's the name of God here? Jehovah Shammah. God is there. It denotes how God unceasingly reveals himself. It was a favorite name used among the exiles because it was a reminder that God not abandoned Jerusalem, even though it was in ruins, because this same God would one day restore it. We don't really think about a destroyed Jerusalem today, but I will tell you what does come to mind is how present God is. The theological term for this is omnipresent, meaning God is everywhere at once. So if I go to the store, God's there. If I go to the funeral home, God's there. I go on vacation, God's there. God is absolutely everywhere. I cannot escape Him or His presence. Boy, I kind of say my kids are, are just like yours, I bet. You know, like when they're scared, especially like going somewhere, they'll ask, you know, hey, are, are, are you going with me? Are you going with us? There's something about having like a parent, an authority figure who loves you and is stronger than you, standing by you when you're afraid. Hebrews 13 puts it like this, for God has said, I will never fail you. I'll never abandon you, right? So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? When God is by your side, you have nothing to fear because he's your constant companion. And he's also your defender. He's your defender. David says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You might remember this one from week one. This is the name of God here, Jehovah Nishi. Jehovah Nishi, God is my banner. 
and the Lord goes before you in each and every fight. You know, at night, the shepherd would bring his sheep back into the fold where, you know, it was a fence and a walled barrier where the sheep would graze and lie down. And he himself would sleep with the entrance, placing himself between the sheep and any danger that existed. And this is a, a couple of implications here for us. So one, as our defender, God doesn't remove threats from our lives. Like we're going to have some battles with the enemy. God doesn't remove evil completely, okay? Two, we don't fight because the battle isn't ours. It's God's. We didn't defeat death, hell on the grave, Jesus did. We didn't overcome the enemy, Jesus did. We didn't beat back darkness, Jesus did that. We rally to our defender, we trust in God to fight for us and to protect us. We don't take the battle into our hands, we look to the Lord who's our banner and our rock and our fortress and our defender. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, though the Lord is faithful, He will make you strong and guard you from the satanic attacks of every kind. So now we've reached our eighth and final name, and it comes from what happens in verse number five, where David says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Who is God? He's your sanctifier. The name of the Lord here, Jehovah Mekedeshkin. God who sanctifies. He's the God who sets you apart for a specific purpose, which is His purpose. The hand of God is on you, and you have more than you could ever need. I, I know it doesn't always feel that way, but God's blessing is always more than enough. He makes sure that your needs are met. Then He gives you an overflow so you can bless other people. So you know what this means? It means that God has an anointing on your life, that you're called to something only you can do, to a purpose only you can fulfill. And you're walking in this anointing, it's going to impact people left and right for the kingdom of God. Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter 2.9. You're a chosen people. You're royal priests, a holy nation, God's own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. There's a lot of scripture inspirations for Radiant Church. This one was certainly one of them. That God has called you out of darkness and the light. I'm telling you here today that you, you have purpose. And living out your purpose, your cup will run over. God will give you everything you need to carry out the purpose that He has for you. Look at Hebrews 13. We're going to end it with this right here. Now may the God of peace, who brought up the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with His blood, may He equip you with all you need doing for His will. May He produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that's pleasing to Him. All glory to Him forever and ever. Amen. What a good way to end it right here. I, I asked at the start of the, the, the teaching here today, why should God answer your prayers? He answers your prayer based on who He is, not who we are. Who is God? He's your shepherd who leads you. He's your provider who takes care of your needs. He's your peace who comforts you, man. He's your healer who restores you. He's your righteousness who covers your sin and makes him right with him. He's your companion who is always with you. He's your defender who protects you from the attacks of the enemy and darkness. And he's your sanctifier who has a purpose for you, who has called you to something greater than yourself. That is who God is. I pray for you here today. God, I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. What a great reminder of who you are, the awesome, powerful God that we serve. 
Lord, may we be constantly reminded by the Holy Spirit that we serve an incredible God who has anointed us and called us to a purpose, who is our defender, who makes us right with him and forgives our sin, who, who, who God defends us from darkness and the enemy, uh, Lord, who heals us of our sickness and diseases and all the, the emotional and spiritual things that we, we have going on. Man, we thank you that you're a God today who provides for us. Lord, I just pray this morning or this afternoon uh, that, that, that we would embrace your spirit, your name, and who you are. May you help us to live in this life you've called us to. Uh, Holy Spirit, may you guide us every step of the way. Uh, may, may this prayer, God, that we, that we offer up each day, our communication to you, our relationship with you, God, may not be based on our feelings and emotions and wants and needs. Lord, may we base everything on you. Lord, may we recognize today that the answer to our prayers comes not based on who we are, but it comes, God, based on your character and the nature of who you are. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.